Amen. Woo, I'm excited about today. It's going to be so good. I can't wait. Can't wait. Let me get a few things situated here. Woo, already lost a lid off my marker. I'm that excited. Man, I'm glad you're all here today. It's going to be a powerful day. It already has been. already will be. I can't wait. So um, over this last year, last year, um, Heather and I realized, okay, it's time to do a little bit of renovating at our house. Uh, we've been in it probably 20, a little over 20 years and raised our five kids in it. But five turned into 10 because they married and then 10 turned into nine grandkids. And so like we needed some more space. So it meant some change to our house. And um, I come from a little bit of background with some of that stuff in art and architecture. So I got real excited about that. Uh, Heather, not so much. Heather and I both tend toward the the same and traditional, not a lot of change, her more so than me. So when I was talking about, I want to take this wall down and that wallpaper that you've been accustomed to for 20, 20 years and standing at this spot, looking at this thing and, and the clock on the wall here and your calendar here was all going to change and be gone. It was a little bit concerning to her. So it took a little bit of praying talking and we made it through and now uh, man we've got a spot a space that's great for our whole family to get together and so you can get you know 20 plus people in this space and it's great but to get to the more you had to expand our capacity we had to make some changes we had to remove some walls we had to change some things we'd been accustomed to we had to break some things that we've become comfortable with and had gotten used to seeing, we in a sense had to cut the cord on those things and say, all right, it's time for a new day, a new time, new things, right? So we did all of that. It's been, it's been great. Um, this process, though, of breaking through to something new, though, is, is a little different. And really, it's what you and I are called to in the process of faith. When you became a believer... Uh, Jesus said you were born again. You became a new person and then began an expanding program of you growing up from being a babe in Christ to a mature believer, right? And that takes expansion. That, that takes increasing your capacity to receive more of what he has. Listen, being a Christian is not trying to do more for God as much as it is being a believer is trying to receive more of what God has. I'm not just expanding my activity, I'm expanding my capacity. When I expand my capacity, I'll find my activity changing. But if you try to change your activity without expanding your capacity, you'll find yourself bumping into some old walls that have been in place for a long time. Hello, right? So uh, the Bible refers to that kind of picture often. In fact, in the Old Testament, I used a, a couple of verses last week. I'm going to refer to those today. We're going to get to these in one of our messages, but I just want to refer to these. Isaiah 54, verses 1 and 2. It's a, <clears throat> a promise and a command written to the people of God about what God's going to do in their life. And they were going to have to believe God for some things that were bigger than what they were in in the moment. So he writes to them there and he says, Sing, O barren. Uh, that's not the title of someone in aristocracy or, you know, 
oversight or kingship. That's a barren, a person who doesn't have a woman who's not had a child. She's barren. And Isaiah writes and says, Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, for you have not, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtain of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen the cords. Strengthen the stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. God was saying, I have so much more for you. But for you to receive what I have for you, you're going to have to expand your capacity. You're going to have to enlarge your tents. You're going to have to cut the cords that hold them and stretch out some new cords and make them longer and put down new stakes to enlarge your capacity to take in all that I have for you. And that is what God says to us today. He says, I have so much more for you. But you're going to need to expand your capacity, the capacity of your heart to receive what I have for you first. They were going to have to cut the cords, literally the cords that held their tents in place, the stakes that held the tent sides in place. They were going to have to cut those and expand them out and do something new. They were going to have to break out of where they had been, leave the past, leave the old patterns, leave what they'd become comfortable to, to get into the new. They were going to have to cut the cord. So Heather and I have had five children I got to be in the room for all five when they were born. I got to have the privilege of being the one who cut the literal cord. There's a moment there where this child that his, his and her life began in the womb. Amen? That's where life begins. Life began there. And for nine months... Life flowed from the mom to the baby. And then came a moment at birth where this child was about to become independent. In that moment, the cord was cut and they left who they had been to become who they would be. But it required a moment where the cord had to be cut. You have to leave where you've been to get to where you're going. Profound, right? But it's a spiritual truth as well. You have to be ready to cut the cord of the past, cut the cord to the voices that define your past and want to speak to you and keep you where you are today and cut the cord to all that limits you and listen to what God says to you. Amen? Our message today is it's time to cut the cord. If you're going to expand your capacity, you have to begin with this process of cutting the cord to who you have been. So we started last week in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. This this verse here has defined uh, what I'm going to do on the board. It did last week and it will today as well. So uh, if you've got a notebook and you're taking notes, want to draw along with me in your notes, help yourself. If you want to take photos of the screen along the, or the, sl- the, the board along the way, help yourself as well. First Thessalonians 5.23 says, 
Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. The Apostle Paul is writing to believers and he's saying to them, I'm praying for God to continue his work in you. I don't really have to pray for him to continue the work because he's continuing the work. My prayer is, is that you will expand your capacity for all that he wants to do in you. That you'll remove the walls, the limitations, the barriers, and may he really do that work in you completely. May there not be a room in your house that you say, hey, you can, you can expand capacity all you want. Just look, just don't come beyond this door. I got stuff in this room I don't want you to touch. I got stuff in this area I don't want you to have. I got stuff over here I'm not sure you'd want to see. I got stuff over here I don't want to let go of. And Paul says, I'm praying that you'll let him sanctify grow you, mature you, make you usable completely. And then he describes what completely means in the next part of the verse. He says this, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I believe here in scripture, we have Paul laying out for us a description of how God has made us. And I believe it's with these three parts, spirit, soul, and body. So if you want to draw along here, you're welcome to. I'm going to use some color today. How about that? We'll go with some blue to start with here. Uh, And refer to this idea of spirit. This is who you are in the core of your person. This is This is your identity. This is who you are. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Uh, Then he says your soul. Um, This is that part of you that is your mind. It is your emotions. And it is your will. This is part of who you are. God has designed you with all of that as well as a spirit. And this mind, emotion, and will uh, has the capacity to think to rationalize, to feel, and to choose, okay? But then we're also created as a body as well. And Paul separates all of these as three that are different, spirit, soul, and body. So in order for us to understand this work of sanctifying completely, as Paul says, we need to understand a little bit more about how we have been created. So uh, let's do this. Let's, let's think first about this idea of what the New Testament calls uh, the difference between the flesh and the spirit. So you and I are born as um, physical bodies. We have a physical body. We have a soul. We have a spirit. But the Bible uses a term in the New Testament that refers to who we are in our spirit before we come to know Christ, before we are saved, before we are born again, before we are redeemed, the Bible says we are in, uh, let me see if I draw a long line across here first, and then we're going to call this flesh. Now, I want you to keep in mind that flesh is not the same necessarily as body when the Bible uses this term in the New Testament. It uses it to refer to a way of thinking, a carnal, natural, just of the flesh mindset, 
It's a, it's a way that sees ourselves apart from God. And this came into existence whenever Adam sinned. Then sin entered the human experience and everybody that would be born after Adam with the exception of Jesus because he was not born of man. He was born of God through a woman. He did not have sin nature passed on to him. He had a nature that came from God and born of woman. Amen. But everyone else, all of us have been born in and of the flesh. We are born with a nature that is apart from God. So we are born with our spirit really dead. We are born alone. We are born consumed with ourself. We are born condemned. The natural mind does not seek the things of God. You aren't born naturally righteous. As sweet as that baby is that's been born to you, you know it's selfish. You know it wants its way. And it is born. Every baby, every one of us was born with a nature that was separated from God. Now, it's our role as Christian parents to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and praying for the day that they will be born again and receive a new spirit within them, right? So this flesh, it is what dominates every person who is not saved. This defines them. And so their thoughts even. Is my mic dropping out? I really hope not. Yes? Oh, man, it's terrible. I can't hold a mic and do this at the same time. Help me. Oh, I'm back. We'll see what happens. All right. Pray against the enemy. He don't want us to all hear this stuff. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Look. In this state right here, because this is who I am, this is my flesh, it affects everything about how I think, feel, and choose. I am weak-willed. I am, oh, there it goes again. Yeah. Okay, check, check. See how that works for a little while? Ooh, keep praying. Uh, I am in this state, I am under a curse, I am uh, hopeless, I am in a place where my mind is easily deceived, I am stubborn, I live life where it's all about me, and I live sin focused and I live with a sin conscience. I am sin conscious all the time. I'm thinking all about what I've done and I'm thinking only about what I can do to feel better about myself because my mind is separated from God. My spirit is empty. My emotions are dominating and I am depressed I'm anxious, I'm bitter, I'm angry, I'm insecure, I'm stubborn. It's all about me 
Everything I walk into, it's all about me. I want to know what people think about me. I want to know how this is going to benefit me. I want everything for me. Everything's about me. Woo. Here it goes again. All right. I'm making the jump. All right, let's do this. You can hear me now. So this, this focus here is what we look like without God. I hate to say it, but what happens often today is this is often what Christians look like as well because we are still living in our flesh instead of who God has called us to be. And so what happens here in the body then in our physical body is that we end up, wow, what in the world? What? Hello? Check, check. Woo. All right. I'm going to pray. Father, you have ordained your word. You have called us your children your spirit is in this place. You have a purpose for us. Our purpose is set. Your calling is sure. And Lord, we trust in you. And we ask you to bind every evil spirit that would seek to stop this message today. We ask you to remove and chase out from this place every spirit that would try to stop us, confound us, and bind us from believing your truth and walking in the fullness of what you've called us to be in your spirit. Satan, be gone from this place. Every evil spirit, be gone from this place. You have no room here, no place on this physical property, and no place in our heart. We stand in our Lord Jesus Christ today, and we will hear your word. We will believe what is true. We will walk in the spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Wow. Let's do this. What happens is the person, oh, my word. I'm talking loud today, all right? I don't care. I got this other mic still on, right, Hunter? All right. What happens then is we end up with a people who are enslaved then to every body Every fleshly appetite, whatever the body wants, the spirit and the mind and the emotions and will give in to. Whatever appetite, I'm just going to, I'm going all the way out there today, folks. Whatever food, drink, drug, whatever feeling, whatever hurt, whatever Anger, bitterness, whatever anxiety, whatever depression, whatever it is, we give into it because we are enslaved by it because the flesh was never meant to be able to submit to God. The flesh cannot be trained. It doesn't need to see a psychologist, a psychiatrist, or even take some medication. The flesh must be crucified. That's what the Bible says. 
I'm not against psychologists, psychiatrists, or medication. There's a place. But let me be clear. The flesh cannot submit to God. It doesn't need education. It doesn't need seven steps. It needs to be crucified and resurrected with a brand new spirit. Now, let me show you what Romans 8 says about this. Look at this passage from Romans chapter 8. Starting in verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Do you see it? You see the distinction? If you live in this, if you live in I am unloved, if you live in God is against me, if you live in all of these, if you live in I am weak, if you live in I am under a curse, if you live in God is out to get me, if you live in God is making me pay for all the things I've done in the past, you will have the effects of the flesh in your life. Your mind will be confused, your emotions will be all over the place, and your will will be enslaved to this dark, depressed spirit. Amen? Amen. Let's go on, verse 6. For to be carnally minded, which is another word for flesh, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 7. Because the carnal mind, now he says mind, look here, the carnal mind, the thoughts of the person who lives in the flesh, is enmity, strife, conflict, against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. It's impossible for the flesh to be submitted to God. Verse 8, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, if that was the end of the story, if that was the end of the Bible, we'd all be in a desperate situation, amen? But God so loved the world, including you, that while we were sinners in the flesh, Christ died for us. Amen? He died for us in this so that now if we let this line become your life, here is your birth. You're tracking along until there comes a day when the Spirit of God speaks to you because you're sitting in a church service, because you're riding in your car, because you're out at some, sitting on a creek bed, because you're out at a camp somewhere, because somewhere God speaks to you and he tells you, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Confess your sins to me and if you'll confess your sins to me, I will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. In that moment, the gospel came in by grace it came to you, and if you responded by faith and said, God, that's for me, if you received that in that moment, you were born again in that moment. Yes. Seed hit the egg, and boom, new life began in you. Yes. 
the Word of God and the Spirit of God hit your heart and you became a brand new person and you were resurrected up out of that pit and you became one with the Spirit of God. Amen? And in that moment, you were forgiven. You were set free. And you were seated with him in heavenly places. Amen? He took your spirit and you were born again there. A brand new life came alive inside you. A life that transforms you. And this life is not sometimes alive and sometimes not. When God calls it to life, it is alive and it's held in his hands and he keeps you for all eternity. Amen? Amen. Amen. So this is now who you are. You are secure. You are sealed in him. He comes to dwell in you and you've been raised up so that on the day, let's fast forward on this line here just a little bit, all the way down to some point over here where you come to the end of your physical life. On that day, you will be raised either by rapture before or by, by Christ or you will die and then because you belong to him, you will go and be with the Lord instantly in that moment. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen? Dan Diaz, who runs our media back here, his father went to be with the Lord recently. He's clapping because it's a celebration. Dan's father was a man of great faith. He was, he was a man of, of little stature, if you ever met him, but he was a man of great stature in the kingdom of God. And he is now with the Lord. And so this is what God does at... Let's switch colors for fun here. Seeing how I think we have a foothold on the enemy's neck at this moment. At the moment you are born again, salvation happens. Your spirit goes to be with the Lord. At the moment your body goes to be with the Lord, there is a glorification that happens. In that moment, all that we have believed by faith becomes sight. And this body of weakness and sickness and death will be done away and I'll have a new body and forever be with the Lord. Amen? But most of us are not here anymore. And the fact that you're here means you're not here yet. Right? The fact that you're here today means you're not there yet. But where you and I are is right here. Amen? We are in the process still of understanding what has happened. Now, let me just remind us of some things that have happened. Because though this is who we were, I want to point out who we are. The Bible says that you and I have been now made accepted in the beloved I've been brought in to the friend group of heaven and let in on the group. 
They don't shoo me away because I'm not part of the cool kid group anymore. I'm in the group of heaven. I'm in Christ. I'm in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I've been seated with him. I have been accepted. I am also blessed. The Bible says I have been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. The Bible says I have been declared righteous. That though I was a sinner, Jesus became sin for me. He became all of this so that that might die and I might live with him. And so now I am secure. There is nothing that can take me out of his hand. There is no condemnation. None. There is no remaining guilt. There is no remaining thing held over your head that you have to pay God back for. That has been removed. If you call it anything less than that, then you are defaming the cross of the power of what it holds. That Jesus died for us and bore our sin completely. And the resurrection proves his death was accepted and he lives. And now I stand in his hand. I am now a new person. I am no longer who I was. And God is for me. God is with me. He is working on my behalf. He is conforming me to Christ. I can know all of those things. I can say all of those things to you, but I know where we all live. Because we are still trying to wrap our minds around that, right? I can hear myself say what the Bible says, that I've been given every blessing in the heavenlies. I can hear myself say that, but it takes my mind a little while to catch up to that, amen? It takes my emotions a little while to catch up with that. Because if you're like me, and you are, you have walked in your life according to your emotions at times. You have leaned into them as though they were your guiding principle. I feel afraid. I feel depressed. Therefore, I'm going to make some decisions based on that. When I do that, I am allowing my will and my emotions and my mind to not be driven by who I am in Christ. I'm letting the flesh reign in my life. Now, the Bible's clear. It says, if you have been raised with Christ in Colossians 3.1, then seek those things which are above not the things of the earth, for you died and your life is hidden in God. Now, let's go back to Romans. I want you to see some other verses here that are just going to really frustrate the enemy and really light us up today because if, if you want to understand how to expand your capacity, the second thing you've got to do is clarify who you are in Christ. It's important that you clarify this in this process. 
Here's what the Bible says. Look in Romans, we're in chapter 8, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. Oh, I'm sorry, are you in nine? Is that where I am? Yes, thank you. Verse nine. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Let me say that again. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. If you have been born again, it is time to stop answering to thoughts, emotions, and direction in your life that is based on this. It's time to cut the cord because this is not who you are anymore. Stop saying, I'm weak, I'm cursed. God has left me. God is far from me. Things aren't going to work out. This is all going to be the worst. Things always go bad for me. You're listening to the flesh, and you're not in the flesh. Who's trying to keep you in the flesh? The enemy is. Paul said it. If you are in Christ, you are not in the flesh anymore. Stop it with all of that. Cut the cord. Let's go on. Verse 12. Therefore, brethren, that's us. We are debtors. What's a debtor? Someone who owes someone something. You are debtors, but not to the flesh. To live according to the flesh. You don't owe the flesh anything. Here's the thing I've just been struck with lately. Christians today are so, we are so dialed in to our flesh, so dialed in to our own thoughts, our own emotions, our own will, that we think that is who we are and that we have to listen to that and that we have to do that. And we find it difficult to separate it and say, wait a minute. The Bible says, I am blessed. The Bible says, God is for me. The Bible says, he is working for my good in my life. Those are statements of faith that say who I, who I am in the spirit and I am no longer in the flesh. That takes work to intentionally cut the cord and say, I'm not going to listen to that voice anymore. I'm not going to listen to all that this tries to dictate into my life. Amen? Now, this is a process I realize just as a baby is born and grows and begins to learn to eat, communicate, move, walk, speak articulately, feed itself, this process of salvation is a process that gets us from here to the day that we are present with the Lord. And let me show you what it tends to look like in our life. Hello? Are you with me? There are days that it feels like three steps forward, two steps back, one step forward, three steps back. But God 
is promised. He is working all things together for our good. He is in the process of conforming us to the image of Christ. He is wanting to renew our minds. He is wanting to break the addiction of our emotions and break the addictions of our flesh and stop giving in to every one of them so that we can give in and yield to the Spirit of God instead. Amen? Let's go on to our passage here and read a little bit more. Um, where am I? Verse 13. Uh, let's go on to verse 17. Paul makes a statement here that I'm going to, I just, oh, if you and I could get this this morning. Paul says, but now when I sin, Paul said, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Stay with me here for just a moment. This is, if you get this, I'm telling you, it will revolutionize your life. This is Romans 7. If you know Romans 7 at the end, it's the part that says, the thing I want to do, I don't do. And the thing I don't want to do, I end up doing. Right? So many Christians read that and say, well, I guess that's just all there is to it. I'm just going to live just a stuck, stupid life. I want to do things, and I can't do it. And I want to don't do things, but I do them anyway. Well, that's just all there is to it. Really? You think that's what Jesus came for? Just to give you a miserable, try hard, but you're not going to get it, life? That's not it. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundant, that you are more than conquerors. Stop giving into the flesh that tells you you're going to live this miserable, enslaved existence. Because the Bible says here, Paul says, look, I get it. I get it that there's things I don't want to do and I end up doing it. I get it that there's things I want to do and I can't do it. Listen to what Paul says. He says, but what I realize is this. When that's happening, it's no longer I who do it. I have a different identity. He said, now when that happens, it's sin dwelling in me. There's a big difference between me being a sinner who's trying to do some good things and being a righteous, redeemed, spirit-filled believer who is trying my best to live for the glory of God and who every once in a while will sin and fall and I'll get right back up because of grace and keep on moving. Paul, yeah, amen. Come on now. Your victory over your sin waits for this to become true for you. When you recognize, wait a minute, I am not the forsaken, weak, cast off, God despised, cursed person. I am redeemed, forgiven, made whole, made new, made powerful, the spirit of God within me, and this is who I now am. When that hits you, when you choose to believe that and stop believing the lie, then you will cut the cord and this will no longer be your existence. This will become your existence instead. Amen? Amen. So here's the deal. If we know this, here's our third big step today. You have to deny the flesh a voice or power. You and I have to take the intentional step of cutting the cord. Now, 
the New Testament uses a different phrase to help define that. Galatians 5, 24, the apostle Paul's writing again, and here's what he says. Those who are Christ's, that's us, we belong to him. They have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Whoa. So you and I, you want to get victory. What you do is you recognize that on this day right here, you were crucified with Christ. And it's no longer you who live, but Christ lives within you. It's what baptism is a picture of. Last week, we baptized Aaron Mawinney here. And in that was a powerful picture that she, her old life, died. And she now lives for Christ. You and I must, every time one of the aspects of the flesh raises its ugly head, in that moment, when it wants to cry out and say, give me my way, do what I want to do. Man, didn't they hurt you. Wow, don't you want to get revenge on them. Your life is pitiful. You don't have any peace. You can't tell what's going to happen. Man, your life's out of control. That's the flesh wanting to rear its head in every one of those situations. And the Bible says what you and I are to do is to crucify and recognize that flesh has been crucified and cut off. You don't have to listen to it anymore. You don't owe it anything anymore. Learn to separate who you are from your own feelings and your thoughts and your own will. Separate that and recognize I now belong to Christ and I am a new man, a new woman in him. Amen? That's Galatians 5. Romans says the same thing in verse or chapter 6. Paul said, likewise, you also reckon yourselves, count it to be true, to be dead Indeed, to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul goes on and says, our old man was crucified with him. He's not talking about your father. Hello? He's talking about who you were, the old person that you were. He's been crucified, that one that was guilty, that one that was separated from God, that one that was filled with shame and filled with fear and isolated and all alone. He's been crucified so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, so that we'd no longer be addicted to it, so that we'd no longer feel like, I've got to listen to everything, every thought, every emotion, every fear, everything, every appetite. I have to somehow give in to those because that's who I am. No! Cut the cord. That's no longer who you are in Jesus Christ. Amen? You have to cut the cord so that you can break the bondage to sin. Verse 12 in chapter 6 says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. Don't let it rain. You're going to sin sometimes, but that doesn't mean you have to let sin rain all the time. Hello? Are y'all still with me this morning? Don't, don't let the Spirit take away, or don't let the enemy take away what the Spirit's doing this morning. He's working. He's speaking. So let me, let me put some, some practical, more practical points on this. You want to crucify the flesh? You want to make a break right here and no longer be controlled by a flesh in your mind, the flesh in your emotions, and the flesh in your will? 
Here's a few things. Put faith ahead of your thoughts. This is how you cut the cord. My own thoughts will deceive me. My own thoughts are not God's thoughts. But God's spirit within me gives me God's thoughts. The New Testament says I actually have the mind of Christ. I'm not arrogant by saying that. I'm just saying what the Bible says. I can think God's thoughts. I can think like he thinks. But I have to put truth in first. If you don't ever put truth in in the form of scripture, you won't have the capacity and the energy and the resource you need to draw on it and think what God is thinking. You've got to think God's thoughts by thinking God's truth in your life. So I've got to spend time intentionally reading scripture. I've got to go to the point of memorizing it meditating on it, transforming my mind so that it reigns in my life above everything else. I no longer listen to what the world says about the world, what the internet says about the world, or what my own mind and thoughts say about the world. I want to hear what God says about the world, and that's what I'm going to conform my mind to. I'll shape my thoughts into matching his thoughts. And when there's a disagreement between God's thoughts and my thoughts, I will say, your will be done. I'll surrender and cause my mind to bow at the heart of truth in Scripture. Amen? This is how I change my mind. This is how I have my mind no longer enslaved by my feelings and my thoughts and my fleshly mind Now I start thinking like this. Put faith ahead of your thoughts. Second, put faith ahead of your emotions. This works so tough today because we've lived in a generation and generations, I believe, where we've bowed at this altar of your feelings are who you are. And if you feel it, that's your truth. The Bible makes it clear that I'm to wrap my feelings around my faith and let faith drive. James said, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. When I go through various trials, my emotions don't want to count that joy. Hello? I want to get angry. I want to get frustrated. I want to get a little bit vindictive. I want to get a little nervous. I want to get fearful. I want to get some anxiety up in there. And when you let all of that rule and reign in your soul, that's what you'll become. When you let emotions dominate, emotions don't get to lead anymore. The Spirit of God and truth get to lead in my life. I have emotions sometimes that don't line up with God's thoughts and emotions. And I have to tell them to get in line. Not get in line so I can feel them all, but get in line, you have to submit. Hello? 
There are some emotions that I do have to bring for healing, though. Because, look, hurt hurts. I'm convinced that's why God gave us the book of Psalms. So that you can bring your feelings to God. Because that's what David did in the Psalms. He said, God, where are you? God, why have you forsaken me? God, are you going to remember your people? Do you think David forgot every truth in those moments? No. That was his emotion talking. And he brought it all to God. He said, God, this is how I feel. But if you read through the Psalms, you'll find Psalms beginning like that. But you'll find Psalms ending with, God, I trust in your word. And God healed his emotions because he brought them to him. This is the transformation process. Just because you feel it doesn't mean you have to obey it. And just because you feel it doesn't mean it's you. Go to Jesus in the garden. Father, take this cup away from me. Do you think Jesus wanted to be disobedient? No. But Jesus was emotionally feeling the weight and the Father did not give in to his request. And Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. And he brought his emotions to truth. Amen? Let faith reign over your thoughts, over your emotions, and put faith over your will. Ahead of your will. Just because you want to do something doesn't mean necessarily that you need to do it. Hello? Sometimes I want to eat some stuff at about 10.30. <laughs> Hello? And I know what's going to happen. I'll be up at 12.30, 1.30, 2.30, 3.30 and feel miserable all the next 30, you know? There are times I have to rein in my wants and my will. And the Bible's even given us a way to help rein that will in through the spiritual discipline of fasting. You know, when you fast, you are telling your body appetites, no, no, you don't get to lead. You don't get to dictate. I know two hamburgers and 14 enchiladas sounds great right now. But you don't need that. In fact, what's necessary for all of us is to have a routine of fasting where you are routinely telling your flesh, your physical flesh and your body Sorry, dude, you're not in control here. You're not. The Spirit of God within me is in control. If you don't have that as a discipline, you will think every urge is a right urge. 
I'm not talking about just food. Every urge to want to hurt somebody else, be cruel to someone else, hold a grudge against someone else, you'll think every feeling is you and right and good. But the righteous man and woman says, hold up, flesh, old man, old me, you have been crucified. You don't get to lead anymore. Fasting is part of that process of telling the flesh no. And this puts faith ahead of my body appetites. That's our other point here. Put faith ahead of every body appetite you've got. Paul said, I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. I don't let it rain. It used to rain, but not anymore. Because when I let it rain, I find myself under all kinds of problems, just grief in my life. Let me talk for just a moment about this idea of um, choosing to do what's right and conforming my will, putting faith ahead of my will. I told you last week that um, there's a phrase that's often used today. Uh, I'm going to fake it till I make it. I'm going to talk about that for just a moment today. Because that sometimes is what people think I'm talking about here. I understand there is a time to act in obedience before my emotions have caught up with it. But let me tell you, when I do that, I am not faking it. I am faithing it. I am intentionally doing what is right and telling my emotions, backseat, bud. I'm telling my thoughts. I'm telling everything. You backseat, faith first, and I will faith it until he makes it in that moment. Amen? It's true. Maybe hard to hear, but it's true. In the New Testament, there's a situation where there's counsel given to a woman who's married to a man who's an unbeliever. And in that moment, she's having a hard time because he doesn't believe what she believes and she wants to do some things that he doesn't want to do and she, he wants to do some things that she didn't want to do. And you think if there was ever going to be a place in the New Testament that somebody would have said, fake it till you make it. That would have been the spot. It's not what it says. It says that that woman is to pray for her husband. And she is to sow, serve, and love in such a way that that man's heart will be one to the Lord without even a conversation having to happen. That's faithing it until he makes it. Amen? Let's wrap this up today.
with a final verse. Last verse today. The Apostle Paul, I told you in Romans 7, said this, who's going to deliver me from this body of death, this whole flesh thing going on? He said, how do I get past all this? He says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul uses this interesting phrase, this body of death. Paul knew well the culture of his day. And the Romans, they were brutal. The Romans were the ones that came up with the idea of crucifixion as a form of punishment. The Romans had another form of punishment that they used for someone who murdered someone. What they would do is they would take the corpse of the person that was murdered and they would attach it to the back of the person who did the murdering and they would make them carry around that corpse, that body of death on them that they might learn to never, ever do that again. Can you imagine carrying around the weight of a body, a rotting body, a putrid, rancid body, a decaying body on your back? And Paul says, me trying to live out this whole God thing in my flesh, in my own natural life is like carrying around a body of death on me. Who's going to get this off of me? Who's going to get all of this off of me? Who's going to get the fact that I'm alone? I feel Surrender to it, 
anything. And today, we stand as those who are resurrected in Jesus Christ. We stand as those who are free, forgiven, seated with you in heavenly places. We'll walk in the power of that. We will be more than conquerors in that, because that is what your word says about us. We'll bring our mind, our emotions, and our will. Thank you. 